Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. We are going to continue our series called Followers. And this is a series that's not for the faint-hearted. If you're visiting for the first time today, I'm so glad you're here. You're our guests. We want you to sit back. We want you to relax and just enjoy yourselves this morning. But there is a warning. It, 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 is, a, it is a strong series and it's not for the faint-hearted. And so with that in mind, I do want to pray. Can we pray together? Yeah. Sound good? Father, we just thank You for this opportunity to gather together. We thank You we live in this beautiful country that we are free to gather together. Yeah. I pray that You would uh, bless the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, the work of my hands as I try my best to deliver Your Word today. And I pray that You would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, hearts to receive, what it is the Spirit of God is saying to us both collectively and individually today. And we ask all these things in Jesus' Name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Well, in keeping with our theme for the year, which is Come, Follow Me, we started a series called Followers last week. Everyone say Followers. Followers. Do you know the Bible or the Gospels alone use the term Follow Me 22 times alone? In actual fact, it's 23 times because in one of the accounts in John, it's used twice in the same verse and the same sentence. And that's not to uh, talk about all the times Jesus inferred following Him. That's not to include the time where the Apostle Paul says, follow Christ as I follow Him. Follow me as I follow Christ. So there's many, many references and many, many uh, opportunities in the Scripture for us to grab the heart of God and how important it is for us to follow Him. One more time, say follow Him. And so we talked last week about unfollowing. The subtitle of my message was Unfollow. And we looked at the fact on social media, if you like someone, or if you want to be like someone, or if you want to imitate what they do, you hit the follow button. If you like them, if you like what they do, or if you like what they are about, you follow them. The moment they do something you don't like, the moment they do something you, they say you don't like, then we push the unfollow button. And this is what I know to be true. For every Christian in this place, you will be, if you haven't already, you will be tempted from time to time to push the unfollow button. Why? Because Jesus asked certain things of us that we don't always like. Yeah. Is there, am I in good company when I say that? I know for me, there's things that Jesus has asked me to do, which is right up my alley. I love it. Yes, sir. Amen, sir. Three bags full, sir. This is easy. Not a problem. Being a Christian is awesome. Then he asked me to do things I don't like doing. And then I pray about it. I question it. I, I, I seek the counsel of others. And the whole time I'm tempting, do I really want to do this? See, here's the bottom line. If being a Christian was easy, everyone would do it. The reality is there are easy parts to Christianity. And here's the interesting thing. What I find easy about my Christianity, you may find hard. And what you find easy, I may find hard. And so we're all in the same boat, even though it may affect us in different areas. So I do not stand up here as the expert. I do not stand up here as the guru. And I certainly don't stand up here as your saviour. I am in this journey together, trying my best to follow Jesus and to do not only what He asks of me, but everything that He asks of me. 
And I'm on a journey and I trust you are too. And I hope this is encouraging because I know this. This is a strong message, but I don't want it to be a heavy message. It's a strong theme, but I don't want it to necessarily be a heavy theme. But I do know that if we are to move forward and embrace what God is asking of us, we have to embrace the strength of His Word. Because a day is coming when we will all feel like pushing the unfollow button. And last week we looked at the fact that in order to stop us pushing the unfollow button, we have to settle the call. And I read 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, which says, He saved us and He called us to a holy life. This is Paul giving the words to a young man by the name of Timothy about what Jesus Christ came to do in our lives. He saved us and He called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. What good news. The good news is that Jesus came to save us, but not just save us. Christians, I wanna say, He didn't come just to save us. If you've experienced the Saviour and the salvation of Jesus and you've experienced the joy of that moment, know this, it was not because of any works of our own, it's because of His great and glorious grace. Amen, amen, amen. But He saved us for a purpose. The Bible says He saved us and, everyone say and, and He called us. He calls us to be with Him. He calls us to become like Him. And He calls us to do the things that He did. He called us to live a life of purpose on purpose. And in order for us to fulfil our purpose in life, we must follow Him. And that's the emphasis of this particular series. And so the subtitle of our message today is simply this, one thing. Say one thing. thing. That's the subtitle of our message if you're taking notes. Turn with me if you would to Luke. Luke chapter, well, I've only got the verse here, verses 18 to 23. You can pick the chapter, whatever you like. (laughs) But it is verse 18 and 23. I don't know if the team have got on to that, but uh, Luke verse 18 to 23. says, A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is a question directed at Jesus. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commands. You shall love, uh, sorry, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honour your father and your mother. All these things I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad. Why? Because he was very wealthy. This passage is often associated with giving and used around the topic of giving. And that's understandable because there's a big emphasis on giving. But it's essentially about following him. It's not a passage necessarily about giving. It's essentially a message about following. And this is what following Jesus looked like for this young man. Are you with me today? See, this rich young ruler or a Pharisee would be another name for him. He asked Jesus a great question. 
When we read the Bible, I want to encourage you to sit in the story, sit in the account, sit in the moment and don't just assume and don't just gloss over certain things. This young man was asking a very good question. In actual fact, it's the very question every person on the planet must ask themselves. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And he didn't get the answer he was expecting. Jesus being Jesus answers this young man's question with a question. Now, I want you to know when Jesus does that, He doesn't do it to humiliate us. He's not doing it to embarrass us. In actual fact, Jesus' desire is to reveal certain things in our lives so that He can heal certain things in our lives. It's not about embarrassment. It's not about humiliation. But He does wanna reveal certain things in order to heal certain things in our lives. And so if you've ever felt the questioning of God, know this, He's not trying to embarrass you. He's not trying to humiliate you. He's trying to reveal certain things to you that He might heal certain things in you. Does that make sense this morning? And I sense that that's exactly what Jesus is trying to do to this young man and in his young man's life. He's trying to get to the heart of the matter. Why? Because the heart of the matter matters. And so He asks him, a question, and He wants to make him a greater follower. That's essentially why Jesus started this line of questioning. He wanted this young man to become a greater follower of Him. And in this count, Jesus highlights a few key points to following Him. And I wanna look at them this morning. The first one is simply this, the importance of motive. Jesus said, Why do you call me good? The question was, how do I inherit eternal life? Good teacher. And Jesus picks up on the fact that He called him good teacher. And so Jesus said, question, why do you call me good? And the reason He did that is because the word good carried weight. Have you noticed today certain words have lost weight? They've lost meaning. Even the word love. I just mentioned 39 years together with the love of my life. I mean, I love my wife, but some people say, I love ice cream. I promise you, if you love ice cream as much as your wife, there's a problem. (laughs) But we we lose the weight of words. And so good for us, even awesome, awesome's just become average. And we lose the weightiness of our words. But good back then, that meant something. Good wasn't just good as we was, oh, that's good. How is that good? This is not that. For this young man to call Jesus a good teacher, that was weighty. That meant something. Because the Jewish community associated good with God. And so Jesus is picking up this use of the word good And he uses it to ask a question. Why do you call me good? Essentially, he's saying this. Are you saying that I am God? Is that what you're saying? Because if you're saying I'm God, then stop fighting me. 
If you're saying I'm God, stop arguing with me. If you are saying I'm God, start obeying me. If we say we're a Christian, stop fighting God. Stop arguing and start obeying. Are we truly people that are in Christ? Because that's what it is to be a Christian. The world doesn't need any more Ians. We need Christ Ians. Sorry, Baz. Baz is out there. He's an Ian. There's a few Ians. If you're an Ian today watching online or in the room, I'm so sorry. We'll just erase that little moment there. But Jesus is saying, if you're saying I'm God, then stop fighting. Or are you actually not saying I'm God? You're just trying to flatter me so I don't challenge you. Are you just saying something nice to me so I say something nice back to you? I've had some people come up to me after a service. Oh, pastor, that was a great message. And I never see them ever again. And that's happened way too often. Too many times in my life. For my liking. And he's trying to get to the heart of the matter. He's trying to work out the source of the motive. Why? Because motive matters. You know, an apology is only as good as the motive in which it is said. The question we have to ask ourselves when it comes to an apology, is it said to save face or is it said to save the relationship? Did we say sorry because we're caught or are we saying sorry because I'm gutted to the core of my being for putting you through that? And every parent in this room knows when you're dealing with your kids, you wanna know the motive behind the apology. Say apologise and say apologise, but it's not just enough to say sorry. Sorry's not enough. I love you's not enough. You can look at your wife and say, I love you. You can look at your husband and say, I love you. But it's more than just words. It's the heart in which we say these things. And so to Jesus, motive matters. If we're gonna be better followers of Him, and, and, and that is my desire for me, and I trust I'm in good company, that we have a desire to be better followers of Him, motive matters. And Jesus will question us from time to time in order to check our motive, to make sure our motive is correct. Secondly, not only motive matters, but this passage highlights the danger of pride. Remember, these are keys to following Jesus. And when it comes to following Jesus, we see that there's an importance of motive and the danger of pride. Because Jesus went on to say to this young man, you you know the commandments. And the comment was made in order to get the young man thinking. Jesus did not quote the law as a means of salvation. I want you to know that. He wasn't saying, if you do this, you'll be saved. He wasn't saying that to get this man's attention in that regard. He wasn't saying it to justify salvation by works because the law cannot save us. The law is like a mirror that just highlights how unholy we really are. He was using it as a mirror to reveal his sin and pride. Because this young man, not unlike me, and not like, unlike us in the room, 
had areas of pride in his life. You see, he thought he was better than others. Because of all the things he had done, because he didn't murder and because he hadn't committed adultery and because of some of those other commandments that Jesus alluded to and he could categorically say, I do all those things and I've been doing all of those things since I was a boy, pride had crept in. And he started thinking he was better than others because he knew others who hadn't been as good as him. He knew others who had murdered, I'm sure. He knew others who had committed adultery, I'm sure. And his thinking, he thought he was better than others. And that's the beginning of our downfall. Because he thought he had done more than the others. You know, there's a saying that we need to, as Christians, love the sinner, but hate the sin. You ever heard that? Maybe you've even said that and and, and that's got some merit to it. But I, I think a better version of that saying is this, love the sinner, hate your sin. Not love the sinner, hate their sin. That's too easy. Can we make it a bit more personal that? Love the sinner, hate your sin. That's what Jesus is trying to get this young man to do. Highlight the areas in his life that are causing a blockage in his follow. Pride had crept in. And I'd like to be able to stand up here and tell you that's never happened to me. The trouble is it happens way too often. And I have to deal with the pride that rises. Just like this young man. And not only that, he thought he'd done more than others. Not only did he think he was better than others, but he thought, I've done more than others. In actual fact, I think it'd be fair to say that this young man thought he'd done enough. Jesus, don't ask any more of me. I've done more than enough. And I know I'm in good company when I talk about this because there are many Christians today who think they've done enough. I've been going to church since I was a teenager and now I'm in my 50s and and, and just be grateful with that. (laughs) Done enough. Because you know many people who aren't even in church today. So according to you, you think you're better than them and you think you've done more than them and we find ourselves looking more like the rich young ruler than we do like Jesus. But the goal is to become more like Him, not the rich young ruler. Can we get honest this morning? What this young man forgot was that it's not about judging others. It's about loving others. It's about serving others. It's about helping others. And we all have a responsibility to others. The third thing I draw from this passage is the power of one thing. The power of one thing. The importance of motive, the danger of pride, and the power of one thing. Jesus lovingly, I don't know how you view Jesus this moment. I don't see a frustrated Jesus. I don't see a mad, angry Jesus. I see a strong Jesus bringing love. He says, ah, but you still lack one thing. This young man had thought he arrived and Jesus was reminding him as He's reminding us today that we all have a next step. Because following Jesus requires another step. The moment you stop taking steps, you stop following. You're just standing. And so He's asking me, what's my next step? And I know what my next step is and and I'm not here to tell you what that is, but I've felt a challenge more recently in my life. None of us get off the hook. 
And so Jesus says, you still lack one thing. You still have a next step in your journey to following me. The interesting thing is when Jesus listed off those commandments, He didn't list off all the commandments. He just listed off the first five. But He conveniently left out one, the last one, that says, thou shalt not covet. And Jesus magnificently, brilliantly, uses this moment to not preach about not coveting, but He addresses something in this young man's life that someone who was coveting is gonna struggle with. And so He says, you still lack one thing. Go sell everything you have, give it to the poor. And he, and he shocked this young man. His next step was to sell everything. We all have a next step. I was in worship this morning and I'm down the front doing what I do. I don't even know what that is. I, I, I hope no one ever films me. I just kind of get lost in what I do and I do this and I'm, you know, there's some of the young guys, they mock me and they mimic me, but... I don't know what I do. And then Dan mocks away, I laugh, he mocks away, I talk. <laughs> and I was thought back to a day when I was in church many years ago, in the small church that we were planted out of many years ago, when I was sitting in a row, standing in a row, in the worship, just like we were today, when I couldn't raise my hands. I was too embarrassed to raise my hands. And I remember that wrestle. I remember that struggle. And it just came to mind this morning as I'm doing what I'm doing. Because there was a time I was like this. And everyone else on my row was like this. And I was like this. And I remember the things going through my mind, justifying, hey, I'm a young guy, I'm the youngest guy in this row. They should just be happy that a young person's coming to this church because right now you're doing nothing to help yourselves in getting young people in the church. I felt very justified. And I was right about that. But I couldn't escape this thought, what are you going to do with your hands? I said, not only am I in church, God, you know, I haven't even smoked a cigarette in my life and I've not done drugs and I'm not on alcohol. There's a lot of young people out there doing all those things and here I am in church. Can't you be happy with that? And God says, what are you going to do with those hands? Are you kidding me? And then, 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 I'm, then I remember this moment. Okay. And it was like, whenever I read the Bible, it's like this scripture. I didn't realise how often this was written in scripture. Lift up holy hands. Yeah. <laughs> Lift up holy hands, all you people. Holy hands, holy hands, holy hands. Everything was holy hands. Give you holy hands, I'm just like. <laughs> it was a struggle for me. Yeah. You may not recognise that now, but there was a time I would not do that. Yeah. But this is what said it for me. One, I wanted to be a follower of Jesus. And two, I'm missing out. Yeah. Yeah. So I go to church. The next week, I've said, I'm going to do this thing. I mean, this is big for me. I'm going to do this. What? Give away all your money? No, I'm raising my hands. 
I mean, I can empathise with this rich young ruler. That's a big ask. I struggle with lifting hands. This guy got told to give up everything. I've never had that asked of me, just hands. Oh, okay, so I, I go to church and I'm like, right. I'm not worshipping, I'll be honest with you, I'm not even worshipping, I'm not singing, I'm just waiting for my moment. I'm breathing heavy, I'm sweating buckets. And before I knew it, the worship was finished. Sit down. I missed my moment. Missed it. I was so mad with myself. I couldn't wait for the next Sunday to come out. Next week, I'm just going to do it. How are you doing? Hey, Tony Henry, shut up. I'm just like, start the music up, fire it up. I'm ready. And during the worship, come on. I did this, I did this countdown. Come on, hands. Come on, hands. Come on. One. You're going up on three. One. Make it the silent four. Silent four. One. Two. I look down. Oh, you used to. Woohoo! One hand. I couldn't get two up that day, like one hand up. And I felt this favour. I felt like this, it was another step of my journey. Yeah. I just felt in that moment, I, I take a step in following Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I was exaggerating that story. I'm just not. <laughs> I was a teenager, just like, you guys look stupid. And here I am now, looking stupid. <laughs> but closer to Jesus, yeah. more like Jesus, yeah. doing what Jesus yeah. did. You know what Jesus did with his hands? And I couldn't even put my hands up in worship with no nails there. You're kidding me? One thing, change your life. One thing. One thing. See, Jesus doesn't want, and I said this last week, he doesn't want our partial obedience. Being obedient in an area, well done you doesn't mean you have a license to be disobedient in another. Any obedience that we have in our lives, like this young, rich young lord, he hasn't murdered, didn't commit adultery, that's good. Don't take up a life of murder now. Stay on that track. Don't start committing adultery now. But I want to add to it. And I know that through this series called Followers and where God is taking us as a church, He's asking something yeah. of us. Yeah. And it'll be something different for each of us. Yeah. So what is that one thing? Is it salvation? Maybe you're visiting for the first time today and you're like, what on earth have I stepped into? Maybe your next step is, you know what? Whatever questions have come from being here today, ask a question. Yeah. Your next step is ask a question. It may look like, what was he talking about? Ask that question. It may be committing to come next week. Just make that your next step. It may be getting along to Alpha Course, which is a great course if you do not have faith and are not a believer in Jesus. It's a great course in explaining who Jesus is, why he came, what he did for us, the benefits of following him. Maybe that's your next step. Signing up. You can do that straight after the service at the information desk. Get involved in an alpha course. I thought, as I'm sharing this message, I'm thinking, there's going to be people here who are here for the first time. They're not believers. How how can I make this tangible for them? 
This is how. Ask your question. Get to church next week. Get along to an Alpha course. There's a next step for you. That doesn't make you a Christian. That just makes you an inquisitive person who wants to make sure you haven't missed an opportunity. So maybe it's salvation. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe you've been coming to church for a long period of time, but you haven't been baptised. Maybe it's serving in a group. You're just receiving, you're consuming, but you're not contributing. Maybe it's time to get involved in a group. Maybe it's time to serve. Maybe it's time to volunteer. Maybe it's time to forgive. Maybe there's someone in your life, someone in your past, you just have not forgiven. You've held onto it for years. Maybe that's your next step. Forgiveness. Or maybe like this rich young ruler, it's in the area of giving. You know, when we get baptised, and if you haven't been baptised, I would strongly encourage you to draw a line in the sand today and say, I'm getting baptised next baptismal service. The next baptismal service we have is the week after Easter. Sign up at the information desk today because baptism is powerful. Baptism is symbolic. Have my friend here going to help me illustrate something in just a moment. But baptism is powerful. The water in baptism represents the death of the old life. And when we come up out of that water, it represents our new life in Christ Jesus. It's a powerful, powerful moment. It's something Jesus did. Do you want to be like Jesus? Do you want to do what Jesus did? Get baptised. If there's one person on the planet who has a genuine excuse not to get baptised, in actual fact, the only person who has a genuine excuse not to get baptised, it's Jesus. And yet He got baptised. Why? So that all righteousness would be fulfilled through His life. To set an example for others to follow. Jesus did not need to be baptised. He didn't need to be sprinkled, least of all, dunked by full immersion into a dirty Jordan River. But He did because He's committed to the cause. He's committed to His people. But this is what I know about baptism. And here's the problem with baptism. When we do make that decision, as I did way back in 1984, as a 15-year-old kid, on the 5th of February, 35 degrees, the tank was not cool. I thought I was going to get refreshed in the water. They, they cranked up the heater. It was hotter in the water than it was in the room. It's just, it wasn't the best physical experience, but it was a great spiritual moment in my life. But this is what I know we do when it comes to baptism. And it's symbolic of maybe some of the areas that we've left unsurrendered. Because whenever we get baptised, this is what we do. We take off our watch, don't we? Because we don't even get our watch wet. And our watch represents our time. And I felt God speak to me about this. Because we take off our watch when we go through the waters of baptism, we haven't died to our time. Our time is still very much our own. And this follower series, God is asking us to do something. And that is to baptise, kill off, surrender to Jesus, our time. It's not our own. We are not our own. We've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. You know what else I notice when we get baptised? We take out our keys. We don't want to get them wet. That's wisdom. And our keys represent our possessions. Our house. My house. 
my car, my motorbike, the things I own, the things I have. And we never surrender our possessions. We never invite people over. We never pick people up because they never died. And God is asking us to surrender our possessions. Our phone. Our phone represents our contacts, the people in our life. God, I'll give you that. I'm not, no, I'm not, you know, don't mess with the people in my life. I've got good friends. You can't touch that. And our phone never went through the waters of baptism. And so don't speak to me about who I can hang with and who I can't hang with. Don't talk to me about who's healthy and who's not. This one's tough. I, I don't even know if this is waterproof. I've been told it is. We're going to find out. I saved the best to last. Our wallet. What does that represent? Well, in my wallet, I have my driver's license. It represents my identity. Yeah. Come on. Have my healthcare card. It represents my security. Yeah. 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 Ah! Come on. Another credit card. And my money, my hard-earned cash. I worked hard for this. I've been hiding this from you. I said, I didn't know he had that. I'm like, yeah, baby, come on. I'm not tithing. Well, you're not following then. All right, I'll do that. No, that's not a tithe. God doesn't want his, he didn't say tip God. <sighs> Have it all. Yeah. Gotta be fully immersed. Yeah, you know, our attendance I don't know what God's speaking to you about. Maybe it's the Alpha Course. Maybe it's that next question. Maybe it's the area of forgiveness. Maybe it's getting involved in a group. Maybe it's volunteering and serving. But can I just make a strong suggestion that maybe for many people in this room today, based upon our attendance and giving ratio, it's this one. It's the money one. It's the money one. Our giving to attendance ratio does not suggest we are following in the area of finances. It suggests we've got a few faithful givers. And if we're serious about moving forward, I think God's speaking to everyone about a different area, but I think there's going to be many. Can we settle this issue of tithing? Can we settle this one thing? Do you think this young man would have been worse off by giving away everything? You don't think for one minute Jesus would not have been there cheering him on, 
making sure that there was provision for him. It was a test. And it was a test of trust. It was a test of lordship. You see, for me, giving isn't even about generosity. The issue is about lordship. Is he lord of all or not? And this series called Followers is about us increasing our follow. So what's your one thing? Which brings me to the last point as a band come. And that is this, number four, the result of our response. This young man went away sad. I love you, Jesus. I just don't love you that much. I do love you, but I love money more. I love my possessions more. I love my security more. I love my identity more. I love my friends more. I love my time more. Oh, don't get me wrong, Jesus. You're okay. You can still be friends. But that's not following. Yeah. That's friends with benefits. Yeah. And there's no such thing as a healthy relationship yeah. when friends with benefits are involved. Yeah. And it's certainly not God's intention. And so this young man went away sad. Why? Because he didn't have money. Money had him. Yeah. It was his master. It was his identity. It was his security. The interesting thing to me is that he came to the right person, Jesus. He asked the right question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He received the right advice, give all you have, but he made the wrong decision. See, Christianity is not what Jesus did for us, it's what we did with what he did for us. Jesus loves the whole world, but the whole world is not saved. Why? Because the whole world has not chosen Him. And we have an opportunity, church, to change that. In conclusion, we see that Jesus had another interaction with another young rich man. His name was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus climbed a tree knowing that Jesus was coming. And because he was small in stature, he couldn't see. And so he climbed this tree to see Jesus. He didn't climb to be seen. Coming to church, it's not about you being seen. It's about us seeing Him. But in Him seeing Jesus, Jesus saw Him. Jesus looks up at Him and says, Zacchaeus, come down the tree. And Jesus brilliantly invites Himself round to Zacchaeus' house. Love that. And Zacchaeus says, absolutely. And without being prompted, without being asked, without attending church every Sunday, year after year after year, but just in that moment, he stands up in his house, grateful that Jesus was there and said, for all of those I've cheated, I will reimburse four times over. And I'll give up to half my possessions to the poor. See, church, 
You can give and not love. I get that. We see that at Christmas all the time, don't we? People giving stuff but not loving. You can give and not love, but you cannot love and not give. You cannot love and not give. Oh, you can give and not love, but you cannot love and not give. And Zacchaeus typifies what love does. Because love isn't just words. Love is an action. And he went away glad. One rich young man went away sad over the issue of money. The other went away glad. Why? Because salvation had come to his house. He was free from the love of money. He was free to be a follower of Jesus. And today, we have a choice. And here's the choice. You can leave mad. You can leave sad. Or, like Zacchaeus, you can leave glad. The ask is big. Why? Because the demand is great. And we have an opportunity to be involved in the greatest transformation the world has ever seen. But we can't expect the world to get it right when we live in disobedience. We can't expect the world to do as they're told when we don't do as we're told. It starts with us. It starts with the church. It starts here, right here, right now. Will you stand with me? Let's see if we can get these out of water quick smart. That'd be great. (laughs) My anxiety just started to rise a bit, but that's fine. I hope this has not been too heavy. I know it's a strong message. But church, we are living in exciting times. We're living in great days. This world is not working the way God intended it to work. It's broken badly. And we have an opportunity to shine the light of Jesus. But we can only shine the light of Jesus if we are indeed following Him. What's that one thing He's asking of us? We just close our eyes right now. What's that one thing? What's that one thing? I've suggested for many, I think it's the money thing. But whatever that one thing is, let's let's leave with the one thing. And let's not just leave with the one thing, let's leave with the conviction. We are gonna change that. Just like I did as a teenage boy, I said, man, I'm gonna change this hand thing. I'm gonna lose my excuses. Yes, I passed the smoking thing, I passed the drug thing, I passed the alcohol thing, I passed the coming to church thing. But this hand thing was a big one for me. And because of that hand thing, I was able to take my next step. And then there was another challenge. And I was able to take, overcome that and take my next step and take my next step and take my next step. Oh my gosh. Then I had the opportunity to start a church. Yeah. Don't think I panicked over that one for a little while. But we're here 30 years later because of that yes, because of that step, because of that follow. The world needs your follow, church. The world needs your obedience. Why? Because it's broken. It's a world lost. It's a world going to hell. It's a world hurting. It's a world subduing all their feelings, numbing the pain with all kinds of substances. And we have an opportunity to say, but God, He's a God who loves you. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website 
at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.